The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Yeah, so welcome back. Welcome, um, welcome for the first time if you're joining us for the first time. And it looks like almost everybody who was here on Saturday is back again, which is really great. And just feel a little bit of... Um, a uh, sense of being joined by uh, others with similar orientation, just that Tuesday is a, a weekday, you know, it, it probably involves putting some other things down, whether that's responsibility for children or work or who knows what elders. So anyway, really grateful to uh, have everybody back and, and start up again. We wanted to start just by um, continuing this exploration of Deacon Nikaya 16, the Paranibbana Sutta, the Sutta in which the Buddha um, dies and enters final nirvana. And you'll see this image here. This is the image for our class, the, the image of the, the Buddha in his final, his final resting place there. We wanted, to, we wanted to start up again just by asking if there are any questions that have come up in the course of the last few days in, in rereading the text and engaging with it again in noticing in the, in the meditation sort of anything coming up um, around this text or any of the topics that we discussed last week. So without further ado, are there questions, reflections, observations, um, musings uh, that, that people would like to offer? Oh, and again, feel free to raise the yellow hand. No, not the blue hand, the yellow hand now. Uh, wave your hand or just, you know, unmute. And uh, if nobody else is talking, go ahead and, and uh, go and feel free to speak. I see Chris's hand up. Of course, I jump right in. Um, I started reading the whole sutra and I'm just amazed at the fancy chariots and the fighting going on and the hard and soft meals and stuff. And I went back and looked. Um, there's a series on BBC on the history of India. Um, I'll put the connection at six one hour, wonderfully photographed stuff of early India, how Sanskrit developed. There's a whole section on Buddhism. And I'll put the link up in the chat so people can look at it. I highly recommend it. The filming is wonderful. Nice. Great. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a that's a useful observation. What we read about here happens in this rich context. It didn't happen in a vacuum. And in fact, there's you know before the time we're we're interacting with here, twenty five hundred, twenty four hundred years ago, something like that. There's that much time and more before, right? In this in this ancient place of ancient culture and cultures interacting. So I, that's a really nice suggestion, Chris. Thanks for that generous. I'm just going to add on, you know, I'm trying to figure out who would read this little section here. It's not so little, it's big. And there's like, it's all there, the seven factors of enlightenment, uh, four noble truths. And I'm just wondering, you know, Ashoka came like some century later, century half later. And I'm just wondering if this was used as his ethical guidelines for social engagement and stuff, because it's fancy chariots and all that stuff. So that's my yeah. input. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's a whole nother class. And very briefly for those, maybe everybody here is familiar with Ashoka, a ruler who comes early in the, in the common era and seems to have made Buddhist teachings part of uh, his guide. And there's fanciful stories about how he came to sort of a commitment to Buddhist teachings. 
But what we work with principally are a series of stone uh, pillars in which are inscribed certain edicts. And scholars have scholars have sought out what texts uh, are these edicts derived from, and thus what might have been Ashoka's sort of thinking about the place of, you know, religious practice and Buddhist practice in particular in his in his uh, uh, in his rule. We're not going to uh, delve into that at greater depth now. That's just a brief <clears throat> footnote that I hope I see my colleagues nodding is accurate enough for the moment. <laughs> so let's just take a couple more questions. Uh, Nicholas. I'm sure we're going to get into this. So I won't share too much of how I reacted, but the, the encounter between Ananda and the Buddha when he's found that he was dying. Um, I mean, for me, the way that it resonated is from the Buddhist perspective, this, this attendant, this person that he's known for decades now, sees his teacher dying and like sees his order of monks falling apart. And it's such a tender moment for me that this kind of kind, wise old man sees his friend kind of caught up in all of this politics and all of this stuff. And he drops refuge in Buddha and Sangha. And he says, like, you have all the experiences that I have. You have body, you have feelings, you have mind, you have mind objects. What more could you need? That's really how it hit for me is this just tender moment of friend. Like this isn't about Buddhism existing in perpetuity. It's about waking up and you have everything you need. Yeah, And it, it's very humbling. It is very humbling. Nice. Beautifully said, Nicholas. Indeed, we will return to that. But you've, uh, I got shivers as you talked about that. It really is a really touching passage uh, and, and sort of uh, really moves the heart. Um, nice. I'm not going to say any more. That was beautiful. Sorry, Finally, I joined. Uh, this is the first time I'm joining your uh, yeah, center, welcome. That the center. Uh, yeah. so, uh, and I'm, I think I'm a little late also. I'm in uh, Canada, Manitoba. So, and uh, so this is about the Mahapari Nirvan. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh, did he uh, leave his uh, physical body in uh, Kushinagar? Got the Shakyamuni um, Buddha. Did he leave his body, physical body, and uh, he attained moksha in Kushinagar? Not yes. Yeah, that that's the and that's the you know that's the final part of this this long uh, discourse. So yeah, you're you're in the right place, and uh, that's that's where we'll be. This is the second of the classes, so we've begun. But welcome uh, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, let's take one more question and then we'll go on. And I see that um, Aditi has has her hand up. Yeah, uh, thank you for taking my question. So my question was more like, at the time of death, like, I don't see Buddha remembering his family or something. And I'm just trying to relate it with aged people, like in my family, I know at, at COVID times, and like, you know, more than like, you know, dealing with the loss of us losing them, I see that they are not ready to, you know, um, entertain the possibility of dying. But in Buddha, I see none of that. So I'm just curious and, and yeah, it's beautiful to see that he doesn't have any of that. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's interesting, the Buddha has left his family 
you know, long before this story commences, right? Uh, back er earlier in, 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 his, in his life and in his practice life. So, um, but that's an interesting idea. His family has become this, these followers, including um, uh, Ananda. And, you know, that's a very sweet relationship. David, you got muted. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I don't know how much of that was lost. All of it? Uh, only a little bit. And maybe last uh, okay. 30 seconds. I to, uh, okay. I'm just saying that the, in a way, the, the family relationships that emerge with some poignancy are those in this, this, this new you know, community of practice that has developed around the Buddha. But I want to pass it to Ying to provide our first uh, teaching. Well, I'm just inspired by some of the comments and questions. And so, you know, as we move along uh, to our sutta reading reflection, and um, I thought what I'll do is to tag along kind of some of the comments that's being said, uh, which is uh, to reflect upon the humanness of these teachings that are conveyed in the sutta. And, you know, in this next part of the sutta, uh, continuing on from the first class in chapter two, and there are different characters, you know, their fights and their struggles and their um, beautiful qualities of generosity and wisdom kind of shines through. And I, I hope that uh, we'll see, we see ourselves in this as well. Yeah, just like some of you mentioned, we have this body, we have this mind. These people are kind of just like us, or we are like them. <laughs> um, so starting from chapter 2, number 11, paragraph 11, this is where we will continue. Uh, the Buddha and his monastic order traveled to this place called Vasali and stayed in this grove called Ambapali's growth. Now, this woman is quite a character. She's said to be really, really beautiful and very talented royal courtesan. <laughs> so what a combination, right? Just, just to hear that. And then he, uh, she also has, um, lot, had a lot of wisdom in her and, uh, great generosity and so this park that um, uh, she offered to uh, the monastic order is called Ampapali's growth and then also later on you see Ampapali's park and she had given it to the monastic and uh, what I also point out that um, there is a little difference between the Chinese parallel uh, version in this part of the sutta when we compared it to the Pali canon and the order of the event that happened uh, is somewhat different. I'm going to uh, use the Chinese parallel in terms of order uh, because you see that it uh, uh, seemed to have um, made a little more sense, at least to me. And so in the Chinese parallel, Ambapali first ran into the Buddha and the Buddha gave her a Dharma talk and, and, as she was so inspired and delighted and decided to, to become the Buddha's disciple. 
And so this is something that's kind of different from the Pali canon. This didn't show up there. And so she became uh, Upasika uh, in that first encounter. And at the end of the encounter, she invited the Buddha and the monastics for a meal next day. Now, it's at this point, um, after Ampapali left, the Buddha uh, gave the monks um, some instructions, knowing that um, the whole monastic order is going to go to Ampapali's place for a meal the next day. And so he's, you know, in the commentary, it's, it's said that the the Buddha is a little concerned because this um, monks are going to see this very beautiful woman <laughs> next day. And so he gave this instruction as the guardians for the mind and heart. And what are those instructions? Those are the instructions of the four satipatthanas, mindfulness of a body, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of a mind, and mindfulness of mind objects. And so that's a starting in 2.12. And then um, Buddha also instructed the monks to become clearly aware, clearly aware in all activities, moving forward, backward, eating, urinating, lying down, sitting down, everything, doing it with clear awareness. And so uh, he said, a monk should be mindful and clearly aware. This is our charge to you. I was really humbled and touched um, by this um, instruction. You know, it feels so ordinary and yet at the same time so extraordinary. Um, The Buddha, you know, this is a time in the last days of the Buddha. Buddha Buddha didn't think that he needs to give anything really fancy. You know, no fancy instructions. It's mindfulness. Satipatthana established in the mindfulness. Become clearly aware as you go about your daily life. And so um, going on from this part of the sutta, um, there are some encounters that Ambapali had uh, with this group of people uh, called the Lichavis. And the Lichavis is said to be a very powerful tribe. And the youth of the Lichavis were colorful ornaments And they're quite handsome and quite strong as well. And in the Susutta, the Buddha said that they're like the gods of the 33, kind of heavenly gods. And when they were heading, and when they heard that the Buddha is uh, in uh, Vesali, and they wanted to go see the Buddha also, but they ran into uh, Ambapali. And in this uh, short interaction, we see that um, uh, the, the Lichavis um, realized that Ampapali got ahead of them and uh, had offered a meal the next day, which they wanted to do. And so uh, Lichavis 
wanted to buy out the opportunity. I'm going to pay you a million dollars if you offer this opportunity to us. And I just thought this is really fun. It's kind of just like us, right? And the Ambapali didn't budge. I said, no, I got the offering. So um, I will offer the meals to the Buddha next day. And the Lichavis snapped the fingers and said, darn it. You know, this mango woman <laughs> beat me. <laughs> so Ambapali was uh, known to be, uh, I guess it was said to uh, be born under a, a mango, mango grove. And so they called her mango woman. Um, so I just thought, oh boy, you know, don't we see us in this? <laughs> just like us, right? Sometimes when we're in the situation of competing and we would maybe snap the fingers and curse. Um, so that's kind of fun. But I want to move on uh, to uh, kind of a go uh, to the next uh, part uh, of Sutta uh, that described some different uh, aspects of a humanness of the Buddha and uh, his disciple Ananda. This is a starting in 2.23, chapter 2. This is when the Buddha and his monastic order uh, uh, had gone into a ring retreat. And on this ring retreat, the Buddha got sick. And so I read um, this passage uh, in this 2.23. And let's see how the Buddha responded uh, when he was sick. And during the rings, the Lord was attacked by a severe sickness with sharp pains as if he were about to die. But he endured all this mindfully, clearly aware and without complaining. He thought, it is not fitting that I should attain final Nibbana without addressing my followers and taking leave of the order of monks. My, I must hold this disease in check by energy and apply myself to the force of life. He did so, and the disease abated. Don't you feel the humanness of the Buddha, or maybe a little superhumanness as well? You know, here the Buddha is sick, just like us with the bodies. We get sick, or this body is prone to become sick, sharp pings as if he were about to die. I remember last year when I got sick, um, you know, my whole body was aching and running a fever, running a temperature all night long. The whole body was inside out, uncomfortable. The Buddha probably had a similar kind of experience. But what did he do? He endured all this mindfully, clearly aware. We find the same instruction here again. Mindfulness, clear awareness, without complaining. Again, it sounds so ordinary, but so extraordinary. When we are sick or when our loved ones are sick, are we complaining? Are we blaming? Are we, are we regretting? 
Are we cursing? Are we fearful? Are we terrified? I think in this uh, pandemic time, it's easy to relate. Sometimes even just small things that happen to our body, you know, we could become terrified. Oh boy, you know, something's going to happen to me. But this is how the Buddha responded. And then let's look at uh, how the Ananda responded to this, this, which is the next paragraph. Here, Ananda, um, one of the great disciples of the Buddha. And this is uh, his response at this time when he saw the Buddha. Lord, I have seen the Lord in comfort, and I have seen the Lord's patient enduring. And Lord, my body was like a drunkard's. I lost my bearings, and things were unclear to me because of the Lord's sickness. How human is that? We probably can all relate to this. Here is uh, someone who has been serving the Buddha at this point for a few decades, heard, memorized lots of teachings, including probably the, the teachings that we are learning right now and practiced quite diligently. But there are times that we get lost in a situation like this. Here, the Buddha was sick. Ananda was not sick. But he lost his bearings and was unclear because of the Lord's sickness. So we can all kind of relate to this, right? What happens when our loved ones are sick? Probably get lost, depressed, lifeless. But I want to um, bring this part of uh, the teaching to uh, maybe an inspiring closing. But through the practice, I keep going. Uh, with mindfulness, awareness, clear awareness, both Ananda and Ampapali became awakened arahants later on. And so as uh, Kim uh, was um, saying in this guided meditation last in the last class, this is possible. It is possible. So... I'll pass this on to Sita Diana. Next. <laughs> 